Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome again to Charles Kelly Money Tips. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about investments and the interest and the yield and the income that you're getting on your investments and how to get a higher income or interest or yield on your investments. Now, in the UK and in America and in in many countries, low interest rates look set to stay with us for for the foreseeable future. I don't know how long this is going to last, but uh, when you've got an economy that is not exactly growing at a high rate, then it's unlikely that the government is going to insist on higher interest rates. High interest rates usually come when the economy is overheating and inflation is high, but that's not the case at the moment. So low interest rates are set to stay. Now, that's great if you've got a mortgage or you're borrowing money, but it's it's not so good for people who are living on, in, on their investments and, and investors who are earning low interest rates on their investments and especially pensioners who are on annuities or coming up for retirement. And I have seen that the rates that they're getting on their annuities or their pension plummet in recent years. So it's great for borrowers, not so good for investors. Now, even yields on on housing, uh, if you're a buy-to-let investor, even yields on, on housing is not that good, right? When I first started buying houses, you could expect to get a 10% return on a single let property, maybe more sometimes. Now, you're lucky if you get 5%. And in, in London, you're looking at perhaps rates of, I had a, one agent say, yes, uh, 3% in London is very good. Or, or was it 2.5% in London is considered very good? Well, it's not good for me. And that's the gross yield. That's not even the, the real, the net yield. That That is the gross yield before you've paid for, for things like uh, letting fees and repairs and all the rest of it. So the gross yield is just calculated by saying, well, look, I'm buying a property for £100,000 and the rent is £5,000 a year. So you say, well, that's a 5% gross yield. But it's not really what you make, is it? Because let's face it, you've got all these costs involved and you know, you're going to pay a letting agent 10% off the top of the rent to start with. So it's getting harder and harder to earn a good yield on a property. Yes, then people split them into HMOs and earn maybe a 10% yield on HMOs, but then they've got to do more work and, and spend more money and perhaps manage the property in a different way than it would be for a single let. Then you've got people going into serviced accommodation to get an even higher yield. But again, that's another layer of work and it's certainly not passive income as I know it. Okay, so what should investors do then to improve the yield on their income? Because, you know, if you go into a bank account, some accounts are paying like quarter percent. Some are paying one, one and a bit percent on, on say, an ISA account. But it's not very exciting, is it? So it's not it's not even keeping pace with inflation, let alone giving you a good return. I would say to get a good return on your investment, you'd want to be doing better than inflation. Because if you've got an amount of money now that buys you X, Y, Z, you don't want to put it somewhere where, you know, in 10 years time, it buys you still X, Y, Z, the same amount. It's just preserving your money like in a jar. And, you know, that's what some investments do. They might be inflation linked, but 
inflation is quite low, but some of these accounts are not even keeping pace with inflation. So what can investors do then? We're not talking about putting your money into to sort of massively high risk returns to, to, in high risk investments to, in order to get good returns. But I think they, they should consider something other than just putting your money in the bank and, and just saying, well, what, what can I do? You know, you need to earn a higher return. OK, so now you can, of course, shop around. Right. So you could say, right, I'm going to go and shop around and find the best rate of return for accounts. But that's not 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 always good. And you don't want to be keep switching from one bank to another bank. And, you know, and the Sunday Times reported this weekend that uh, the highest yielding headline returns on savings accounts were only there for 72 hours. So they were just just like a headline rate. And then 72 hours later or within 72 hours, they were withdrawn. OK, now investors may want to consider this is what I'm getting to may want to consider looking at high yielding shares or the stock market and high yielding shares as an alternative to deposit based investments or as an alternative to property. Okay, now that might be sacrilege to some people or the stock market is very risky. Yeah, you need to know what you're doing. But, you know, there is a risk that, you know, the value of your capital can go down and your share and, and the returns are not guaranteed. But many of these High yielding companies are blue chip companies, which means that they're, they're considered a safe bet by the market and the stock market. And they're listed on the London Stock Exchange or it could be in your own stock exchange, maybe New York or, or other stock exchanges where, where you want to invest in your own country. And they're considered to have a good prospect of growth and a good prospect of paying good dividend yields or high dividend yields and, and, and a future growth in those dividend yields. And this is why institutional investors such as pension funds and uh, unit trusts and mutual funds would invest in these companies, but you can invest them in them directly yourself. So how does it work? Now, I'll give you some examples of some of these companies. They're listed on the FT100 index, the FT Stock Exchange 100 index, which means they're in the top 100 companies listed on the London Stock Exchange. So they're not startup businesses promising high returns. They're not, you know, on, on smaller companies and say high tech companies have only just got, got going. You know, these are companies that are established companies, high street names that are in the FT100 index. And I'm just going to give you a few examples. Right. Uh, I'm not recommending these companies. I'm not saying go out and buy the shares. I'm just giving you a few, a few examples because you need to take your own advice on this. This podcast and this this broadcast is, is is mainly for sort of entertainment purposes and to inform you. But I'm not giving you my recommendation because I'm not your investment or financial advisor. I don't know anything about your personal situ situation. OK, so I'll give you an example here. Now, there's one here, Aviva PLC. This is the, the very large insurer that was a come about as an amalgamation between Norwich Union and, and another uh, well-known insurance company. But Norwich Union have been around like for donkey's years, probably since almost insurance began. You know, they're a very, very well established company. Uh, they've got th over 30 million customers and they've got a market capitalization means their market value is 14.2 billion and they trade on a P.E. ratio of just just over nine, nine and a half. And I'll come back to P.E. ratio in, in a while if you don't know what that means. Now, as I write, the shares are trading at 374 pence. Uh, that's three pounds 74. But it have been as high as. 498 just under 500 or five pounds and as low as 350 in the, just in the last year because the market has been going up and down now 
the company Aviva PLC is listed as a as a buy by most brokers because you can look look this up. You can go and research and, and see what brokers are advising their clients to do. And they're listed as a buyer, but the value of their business and their business could be affected by Brexit. So nothing's 100% safe and you need to do your own research. But Aviva are pretty well established company. You know, they've been around for, for hundreds of years and uh, so it haven't been around for 100 years, but the underlying company Norwich Union were around for a long time. So Aviva have been around a long time. They're, they're one of the, the, the trusted companies on, on the stock market. So they're considered pretty good. Now, they're given a, a yield of 8%. Okay, so they're paying a yield of 8% based on the, the, the value. So if you buy them at whatever price, you would get on, on the share price a yield of 8% at the moment. Okay, uh, that's as uh, when you, you might see this, it might not be 8%, but it's certainly going to be around that kind of figure. So where can you earn 8% on, on a deposit account? Okay, if you're earning 1% on your deposit account, this, this company will give you a yield of 8%, which is eight times the amount or 800% what you would get in, in an average sort of deposit account. And the value of the, the company will grow in the future. Rick expected to grow in the future. So the value of your capital should grow as well. Just like if I put my money into a property, I would expect to get a rental yield of say 5%, but I would also expect the value of the property to go up in the long term over the many years ahead. Whereas in a deposit account, you put your money in there. If, if you've got a thousand pound in there and they give you a 1% payment every year, you know, and you put that in your pocket, that capital is not going to grow in addition to that, or you could reinvest the interest, but the capital is not going to grow any further than it is other than putting the interest back into that account. Whereas in a, in a share or a property or an asset, you would expect to get an income and a growth in the future. You can also reinvest your dividends as well to accelerate that, that growth. Imagine if you reinvest in your dividends at 8% per annum, that investment would double over the next few years. Okay, so that's one example, which is uh, Aviva, as I said. And shares of these can also be held in a, a tax-free wrapper or an ISA, called an ISA. So you wouldn't pay any tax on the income or the growth because an ISA can be uh, just a deposit-based account or it can be an investment into to shares. Now, with a property, that would be a lot more difficult, right? And on property income, you're paying tax on the rent. And now they're not even offsetting the interest that you might pay on your mortgage. And they've removed things like wear and tear allowance. So they've made it more difficult. So that's just one example of EVA, okay? And, and you can hold these shares within an ISA. Another example, and you can also hold it in your in your pension scheme, your self-invested pension scheme, that you, you could invest yourself into these shares directly. Another example is the third largest mining company in the world. They're called Rio Tinto, uh, a company that's been around for a long time. They have a market capitalization of £70 billion, £70 billion, £70,000 million. So they're a, they're a huge company, and they're currently paying a dividend of 5.5%. Again, that's, a, that's quite a lot compared to an account. It compares to maybe what you might get on a single let buy-to-let property, but that, that's the gross yield on a buy-to-let property. This is the yield you'd get that they're just paying you. You're not doing anything. And a dividend yield is, is just a share in the profits of the business. So they're saying, right, here's your share of the profit. Here's your 5%. Put that in your pocket, or you can reinvest it into further shares. 
So they're paying five and a half percent and they trade on a dividend on a PE ratio, price earnings ratio of 10.16. So that's not that's not hugely high, but it's a good it's not a bad way. In other words, I'll, I'll explain what that is in a while. OK, the business dates back to 1873 and earnings have gone up by an average. I'll listen to this. 32 percent year on year for the last five years. OK, not many businesses have done that. Right now, in August 2019, the company announced plans to return more than 2.8 billion to, to shareholders. In other words, they, they sort of give it a sort of a, a one off extra dividend. So they've got a lot of cash in the bank. So rather than just having that sitting there, they return it to the shareholders. So they've been a pretty good investment to, to shareholders. However, some brokers have recommended selling as the share price has been threatened by unpredictable weather conditions, you know, disasters and a weakened outlook for minerals such as iron ore. Obviously, a mining company, its future prospects is, is based on the economy moving and China has been buying up a lot of minerals and that sort of thing for, for manufacturing. So if that slows down, effectively, their profits might go down. But these companies have tended to maintain their dividend, even if profits are, are lower. So over the years, they've been a quite they've been quite a good investment for for investors. OK, so even if it even if next year is not so good, it doesn't mean that they're going to slash dividends you know, down to zero. OK, that that's based on past experience. Now, um, another one here, house builders, right? Get, get into to house builders in the UK, Red Row and Persimmon. They've both done well in the last few years. Uh, especially as the push for, for the government said we've got to build new homes everywhere and the introduction of the help to buy scheme for first time buyers. And I talked about this in, in a recent episode over the last couple of days. Now, Red Road PLC has a market capitalization of just over two billion, trades on a PE ratio of 6.46 and currently has a dividend yield of 5.25. Uh, the company had a, a quite a good profits in the last year, four, 400 million and uh up 7% on the previous year, annual revenue over 2 billion, and revenue was driven by 13% increase in legal completions. These are the completions on the homes they've built, which was 6,443 homes in the last year. Okay, there was a 2% drop in the asking price or the average selling price of those homes, but 6,000 homes is not bad bad going. Persimmon, another uh, home builder, Persimmon, Persimmon PLC, is currently paying a dividend yield of 12 percent yeah 12 percent you heard it that's 12 thousand percent increase on what most people are getting on on their average deposit or isa account now this company it's um a market capitalization of of six billion and reported annual profits of one billion on revenues of three billion and trades on a pe ratio of 6.75 so that's not an expensive way of, of buying a company in other words it's the the ratio of uh the price it's 6.75 times the earnings of the company. The business, uh, you may know them as Persimmon, Charles Church Homes, Westbury Partnerships and Space 4. So they've got several trading names. And despite what you read in the, the press, around 200,000 new homes are built each year. And that's been roughly the same for the last few years. And there's still a big demand for property in the UK for various reasons. Um, net migration is still high. People are living longer. You know, there's more single units needed by people as, as divorces and some people just choosing to live on their own. And, and the help to buy is helped, obviously. But there's still a, a, a good demand. Now, many some people are saying that these builders are 
too dependent on the help to buy scheme. And if that was withdrawn, that, that it might be more difficult to sell these properties. They've certainly had a boom in the last few years. But I'm just giving these as, as examples. You can look these up yourself and find many other companies in a similar sort of position paying high yields. Uh, now, as I said earlier, the shares can go up as well as the dividend and uh, go down as well as up. And, you know, your capital is not guaranteed in a share. And with a share, you're buying a share in a, in a business. So it is more of a risk than leaving, obviously, than leaving your money into a deposit account. But the returns are higher. And if you're in a position where you're retired or you're living on income from your investments, you're no longer working. I think you've got to look at other alternatives than just leaving your money in the bank because it's going down and down and down with it with inflation. And you could do your own research on these, right? So you can look at companies that are paying high dividends and say, well, if, if they're a bit expensive at the moment, I'll put them on my company watch list and buy them when they go on sale. Because I think the market could be due for a correction. And sometimes good companies, good businesses have, have been, been good, like the business I've mentioned here, the price can go down for no other reason than the whole market is going down. It's not, it's not exactly rational. So there are times when you can buy these shares when they're on, on sale, if you like. So you can put them on your list and just, just look for them look out for them and, and, and track the share prices. I'll explain how you can do that. Now, there, these are just a few examples of companies which offer high dividends or, or dividends being a share in the profits of, of what I call high dividends, over 5% of the share price. Now, you can do your own research online by just Googling high yielding companies with high yielding dividends yields. Or you can go onto the, the London Stock Exchange, for instance, and many other financial sites, which kind of do a lot of the research for you. Um, but, you know, you should try and learn how to do this yourself. And nowadays we have at our fingertips, really, all the resources that previously would have only been available to stockbrokers or large financial institutions. You can find real time information on these shares and it's very, very easy to trade. And you, you can go to advisors. I, I suggest you do take independent advice before you do anything like this and look at your whole portfolio. But the best way to invest in shares is to learn about it yourself. If you want to know how, just contact me and I'll, I'll put you onto some courses. You know, because a lot of advisors will just say, no, don't do it yourself. Don't go into to shares directly. Put your money into unit trust or mutual funds, sometimes because they're earning commission on those. And, and the unit trust and you know, mutual funds obviously have charges and management fees and that sort of thing. That you can invest in high yielding dividends, shares, uh, or what they call income funds, which you can buy through unit trust and mutual funds in, in America. And yeah, there are income funds which will, you know, say at the outset what they, they aim to, to give you as, as an income. So many people do that through funds and funds are just collective investments where people put all their money in together and then the fund manager buys these shares for you. But I would prefer to learn it myself and do my own research and buy companies that I like and I resonate with and look for those companies when they're on sale in, in the hope of getting a good capital growth as well as a, as a high yield. And as I said, I think in the next year or two, there's going to be a market correction, although we don't know when exactly. But it's expected that if there is a recession on the way, that there could be a market correction in, in America and the UK. But UK shares are not that overpriced at the moment. And as you can see from the, the PE ratios, you can get some pick up some pretty good deals out there. So word of the day, I want to explain again PE rate PE ratio, which I have mentioned before, but I want I think it's important to go through this again now because many of you you'll be looking at this and looking at the financial press and reports and say, what's what the hell is this PE ratio? 
Okay, so the P-E ratio is the price to earnings ratio or the value of a company that measures its current share price relative to its earnings per share or EPS. In simple terms, it's the multiple of earnings that you are paying for the business. Now, when I was selling a business, you know, you're selling a private business, you would expect to pay maybe three to five times the profits. Okay, um, now on a business like this, where you've got more of a, a guaranteed longer term prospect in, in mind because they're listed on the stock market, you normally would pay more than that. But the higher the, the P.E. ratio, it doesn't mean that necessarily just that it's, it's more expensive, but it means that investors are, are anticipating higher returns in the future. But this does mean that the the price you're paying now, uh, it, it could be high, it could be overvalued if the, the P.E. ratio is too high. Now, in June 2019, the average market's P.E. ratio was around 20 to 25 times earnings. But companies like Amazon.com, the ratio as I speak now is 76. So 76 times earnings, which makes it quite an expensive buy. Well, I think it does. But it also means that investors are betting on high future earnings because they think Amazon.com is going to dominate the market for the next few years. So if you wanted to buy Amazon outright, you'd have to pay 76 times its earnings, which is which is a lot by anybody's standards. That is a lot of a lot of money. It's quite a high measure. But it could mean then that it's overvalued. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens in the future. Now, the P.E. ratio is just one measure of how investors value a stock, and it should not be the only measure you use in deciding whether or not to invest in a company. And hi to everyone coming on. I see Annabelle's there and, and many other people. Uh, hi to everyone coming on. Uh, Cora, Stephen, Alexander. Great. Great to see you. Just like if you were buying a house, you just wouldn't look at the, the price and say, well, that, that's that's the only measure I'm going to look at. You know, P.E. ratio and dividend yield is just one measure of what you'd look for in a company. There are many other things you've got to do and other forms of research like the management and the average growth in their, their, their profits and their earnings, etc. And, and where you think the business is going in the future. So don't don't just take this one example. I'm just giving you examples today of how you can earn 5% or more on shares which are listed on the, the FT100 index. That means they're, they're one of the biggest companies in the UK, one of the top 100. And you can earn the two examples of the examples I've given you between 5 and 12% yield income or share of the profits on the money you put in. So if you put in you know, £10,000 into the, these companies, you could earn somewhere between £500 to £1,200 a year income on, on those shares. That's what you would have done. Now, th these are not guaranteed, as I said, but 5% is a pretty average yield you could earn on a blue chip type of company on the stock market. It might be a little bit low, might be a bit higher, but that is certainly higher than you would earn in a current account during a time of low interest rates. Now, I've been lived through high interest rates where you could earn 10% on a pretty much a guaranteed type of account or 8% or 7%. You know, at that time, maybe it's not a good time to put your money into shares where the, the, the yields were 4 or 5%. So it depends on how things are going. Again, take advice from your advisors. As I said, when I bought properties originally, you could earn 10 to 15% yield or gross yield on properties. Now that's not the case because prices have gone up so high. Okay, so thanks for listening. This has been Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and enjoy more money. Again, 
I'm not your financial advisor. Take your financial advisor before you take any financial decisions. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye to everyone on Facebook Live and to my podcast listeners. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 